Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. holidays for you to of course uh, remember and to put on your calendar next time you're looking at it so you can plan ahead for these environmental holidays. The first one is World Sustainability Day which is on the fourth Wednesday of October and uh, also is number two World Mental Health Day which is on October the 10th and it's a global day for global mental health education, awareness, and advocacy against the social stigma of mental uh, health and it's a great time for all those to get out in green spaces, outdoors, and in the environment and to up your mental game. Headlines from the Hemispheres is the next segment up, which is where I cover all types of environmental news all across our wonderful planet. And the first headline comes out of Jakarta, Indonesia. So feisty Tasmanian devils roaming Australian mainland again after 3,000 years. HuffPost had the story. As you may know, Tasmanian devils aren't shy or... um, not known as far as um, you know where they live and have lived for a long, long time, but um, you know besides them being popular as far as being in cartoons and having notoriety there and their mannerisms totally being carnivorous and crazed animals to a certain extent and definitely wild, they've returned to mainland Australia, and it's been the first time that this has happened in uh, three millennia. So when it comes to the uh, Tasmanian Devils, 11 of uh, them were released recently, um, making home um, from their uh, white cages where they were from this uh, wildlife refuge, which is about a thousand acres in Barrington Tops. That's the name of the refuge uh, that was in a uh, New South Wales uh, NSW, uh, and it uh, that place is about 120 miles north of Sydney, the city, and the Tasmanian Devils have been protected in Australia since 1941. Headline number two is out of the UK and has to do with hydrogen energy. UK embraces hydrogen-fueled future as transport hub and train announced And I found this amazing article on Environmental News Network, ENN for short. And this is great for the UK. Yes, that means that they're going to have hydrogen-powered trains running uh, soon, uh, very soon, in a huge partnership uh, with the University of uh, Birmingham 
and trying to essentially fast forward and uh, project and have amazing uh, net zero targets all around in the UK. Uh, diesel trains will seemingly be a thing of the past with hydrogen powered trains not emitting any harmful gases and instead it uses hydrogen, hydrogen and oxygen to produce electricity, water, and heat. This groundbreaking technology uh, will definitely be available to the trains by 2023, so around the corner, and it will retrofit the current uh, in-service trains to have hydrogen technology and make the rail uh, system a bit more greener and more efficient. And last but not least is some interesting technology uh, coming out of places like China and Switzerland where the researchers uh, found uh, the information. And this is uh, from Science Daily in the Science News section. Flexible and biodegradable electronic blood vessels. This is some cool technology and you know the fact that these blood vessels are biodegradable and electronic it seems like an oxymoron how is this possible well there happens to be uh, small changes that can happen uh, with these electronic blood uh, vessels that can um, essentially make the implantation a bit better uh, when Im implanted or implanted in uh, the human body so these, um, or the, the blood vessels, the ones that are the electronic ones, they're made from these tiny metal polymer conductor membranes that act as being flexible and biodegradable. And they kind of mimic natural uh, blood vessels that you have in your body. And they can effectively, and we're able to uh, replace key arteries in rabbits. So the research was published in the journal Matter and will definitely um, the, in that journal article, they did talk about uh, how it will uh, overcome the uh, limits of conventional types of blood vessels called um, TEBVs, otherwise known as tissue-engineered blood vessels. So we're going to talk about in this podcast episode a little bit of a, a current news piece, but it's kind of short because as we know, Reuters.com, they have different articles, some short, some long, but this I think was pressing enough for me to talk about mainly because um, it has to deal with the US EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency here in the US, and toxic air pollutants and a requirement that has since been, I wouldn't say derailed, but it's been scaled back um, because it's been um, sort of uh, taken um, back or reversed, um, as, as some language would put it. So um, because air pollution is a, a dire uh, environmental emergency and environmental problem uh, all around the world, but um, here in the U.S. in certain cities, it can definitely get you killed. I um, I thought that we should know about this fully and sort of air our grievances about the EPA together, which I'll get to a little bit later in my commentary, but we're going to first start off with the EPA say of an old policy. So this policy that uh, was reversed was a Clinton administration era policy that has to do with uh, major air pollution in U.S. cities being the sources there, 
um, having arsenic and lead in the air, and the maintenance and maintaining of a pollution-controlled type of technology, and the EPA wanting to essentially um, make this technology um, um, throughout its lifetime of operation, making sure that it's not um, uh, up-to-date and it's not maintained throughout the life of um, uh, these these controls. So they're called, um, uh, these pollution controls, I'll get to a little bit later, but they uh, would be able to, because of the reversing of this policy, um, not be able to um, meet stringent standards later on. So with the policy, it was finalized, it was a 2018 policy, but it was reversed um, uh, to the 1995 um, policy of the once in, always in sort of policy, which makes it uh, which makes more permanent these maximum achievable control techn- technology standards or MACT uh, standards. So major polluters in the, in the industrial fields and in refineries and such, for the lifetime of their facilities, they wouldn't be able to, um, you know, update and keep track of those controls. They would essentially be set in stone. Um, so that's really unfortunate. And, you know, even after, uh, reduction of emissions later on, like there's nothing, uh, keeping these systems being maintained. There's nothing, uh, keeping, um, control and monitoring essentially of air pollution later down the line. So the EPA has the excuse essentially of quote, I'm saying that this change will, quote, ease costs for companies without undermining air quality by holding their facilities to less stringent regulatory standards as soon as they have reduced pollution back below a certain limit, end quote. Well, that's not flying with environmental groups. And so a lot of them say that that's a big um, reason that industrial plants and companies are going to pollute more because they're not being, those systems aren't being maintained or properly, you know, managed uh, over the life of those facilities that are trying to, you know, clean up our air. And, um, you know, this is affecting lower income folks, lower, you know, income communities that often will be living near uh, those plants that are really damaging to their health and environment, you know, so it's really a double whammy. The Environmental Defense Fund definitely... Uh, is suing or has uh, sued uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, you know, after this new rule has gone into effect. The 1995 rule uh, that they first instituted had resulted in the elimination of 1.7 million tons of hazardous air pollution over two decades, according to a 2017 EPA fact sheet. More and more for me, I see myself essentially not trusting and losing faith in the Environmental Protection Agency. And when I was little, like when I was like 11, 12 years old, I wanted to, you know, be in this this amazing agency that I, you know, with uh, bright, you know, starry eyes thought could do no wrong, was full of these intellectual scientists and advocators and policymakers and everyone in between who was fighting on behalf of our environment for an environment that, of course, doesn't have a voice to speak for itself. And yet, every single time I turn around, 
things don't happen to be looking up for um, the environment, not all the time as far as like all these different cases, but there are some places in our our land here in the U.S. where it's just unconscionable to live. And it's there because polluters get away with polluting their environment, polluting uh, the spaces of the groundwater, you know, leachate getting into uh, the groundwater of places, you know, mismanaged landfills that are destroying towns' groundwater, uh, places where you can, you know, essentially legally dump or not get caught. And people who aren't paying fines and people who, or companies and corporations that have permits to uh, legitimately, in their eyes, destroy our, our land, our water, and our air. So it makes me angry that, at the fact that the EPA would say, you know, that they should, they're, they're trying to ease costs for companies uh, uh, without somehow uh, undermining air quality. Like, no, don't, don't. Uh, let the companies get off for polluting the air and somehow thinking that less stringent regulatory standards are better for the environment and somehow won't be polluting it later on. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And it's letting these corporations um, that usually have heads in, in, in different um, organizations, like say, you know, big agriculture or, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, etc. They have interlocks and are on boards of different corporations and then somehow get into the the EPA or another regulatory agency or another uh, agency uh, in the U.S. at the federal level. And then they make laws and policies that, you know, line their pockets, that uh, benefit the rich or, you know, make uh, the small time farmer or business person or small family just, you know, making their way, make them suffer um, because they don't have the power that these people have. But but because they are ruthless and corrupt, they usually get away um, with, with uh, skirting around um, the truth and, you know, lying about uh, the, what the facts are and totally are screwing over the American public. You know, that's how it is here in the U.S. Um, it, it's, it needs to be... Um, so many, there needs to be so many changes, um, to leadership and, you know, putting, um, you know, a person of color, putting a, a black person or a black woman or a black man or, you know, Latino or white woman, etc. Um, any other, uh, person who, you know, is not a male or white, etc. in a place of power, like say the head or the administrator of the EPA is not going to solve the issue. Like they're, they're, they're playing a game with us, and it's the game of our lives. Um, because the Environmental Protection Agency is supposed to protect the American people. You know, it's a public health issue um, when our environment is, you know, struggling to breathe. You know, and, and you can tell that in the air um, and when our waters are polluted. Like the Gulf of Mexico, for example, I would never live in the South period, but I would never live in somewhere like Cantor Alley, you know, somewhere in, you know, Louisiana, down South where they know there are certain places you should not be going past a certain time because the natural gas pollution is horrendous and, you know, cancer rates are sky high. Things like that, you know, keep me up and I constantly, you know, think about 
um, you know, some of those environmental um, issues and uh, news that has plagued certain regions of our country and, and sort of what they're, they're known for. It's known in certain, you know, states not to uh, live in certain areas because it's just not safe. So there are certain questions that pop up and I have, um, you know, created a few of them. And maybe these are just questions, you know, you should ask yourself too. You know, why is the EPA interested in protecting companies and their costs? You know, why are standards that are set in stone in other administrations, let's say in other presidential, um, president administrations, why are those suddenly now being upended? Who's benefiting because of those standards being reversed, those policies in place being reversed? Um, how come so many companies are now getting away with paying fines continuously uh, to the agency for horrid or destructive environmental practices with no shuttering of the company's doors? Why aren't these companies being held with their feet to the fire? Why are they still in operation? If you have X amount of oil spills, probably even one, you shouldn't be allowed to be in business anymore. You know how many dead animals and people's uh, jobs that have been at stake and people's kids who will never recover, who have all these childhood illnesses because of something like an oil spill? It's just so much devastation uh, done because, oh, they, they, they hit, um, you know, a place in the ocean that, you know, was, was full of coral and fish and all types of wildlife that's never going to be the same again, all because there was an oil spill that was mismanaged at the top. You know, the people who are working there are working crazy hours. Sure, they're away from their families and they're making, you know, tons of money, but, you know, they're not happy. They're not going to be oil riggers their whole life. And and they're not investing in renewable energy. They're not, the companies aren't moving, you know, towards that. BP and Shell, you know, Exxon, they're not moving towards renewable energy. If they were, they'd be in it and they, they'd get money that way. They, they'd see the dollar signs first and then the benefit of renewable energy later. And also I want to ask, why are there so many agencies or uh, there are so many agencies and organizations that are suing the EPA. Why aren't, uh, why isn't the EPA getting the message to put the citizens of the U.S. first? Why do they continually, um, in some form or fashion, sideline, um, you know, our needs? You know, they're, they're a part of this country too. They, they work and breathe and play and, and travel and everything else. Same as everyone in this country. And I bet you if they had a chance to save their families from environmental destruction that they would, but they wouldn't do that to their neighbor, to their, to their colleague. They wouldn't do that for a stranger, but they would happily save their family and friends if they could. You know, knowing that their families, you know, maybe aren't living next to a landfill or next to a toxic pond, um, you know, f filled up with the pee and poo and excrement, total excrement uh, of farm animals because their friends, you know, maybe are living in a lush um, area away from that. So currently there are 390 plus lawsuits against the EPA and that's all that I could find on their site that they, you know, um, thankfully have, ad have added have had it open 
um, to see, and it's public information, thank goodness. But I just searched, and it's under the notices of um, intent to sue, and I'll link the uh, link in the description of the show notes um, of the podcast so you can see it too. If you're abroad, definitely um, you can see it as well, and maybe check other um, environmental agencies or ones at the federal level or maybe state level if you can to see if there is a um, a similar site because you'd be surprised at what information you can find online. Uh, lastly, is that I want to say that um, again, I used to be proud of saying that you know I wanted to work in the US EPA, but you know now I'm not so sure. Now I I could happily see myself working at a non-governmental um, organization or, you know, working for myself, doing anything, but um, would be um, probably not something I'd, you know, be open to. But I just, every time I just hear or see information about the agency, it just turns into some environmental disaster that they dropped the ball on or some controversy or even a lawsuit. So it just really changed my perception um, of the Environmental Protection Protection Agency. And um, I just think the EPA is just not it for me. And it's not necessarily giving up on a dream. It's just I don't want, you know, my dream to turn into a nightmare, um, you know, and all my thoughts of working there. So um, I'm totally okay with shifting gears and still doing environmental work. Um, you know, whether it's with my podcast, definitely, but in other ventures too, that is totally okay with me. All right, everybody. So we've come to the Mother Earth Minutes, which is where we review in the next few minutes for things that we can do to combat the issue in this episode and also protect Mother Earth. And I think simply here in this episode we've learned that sometimes those who are put in in positions uh, to deal with the public you know public facing um, you know agencies federal level agencies um, they should be able to protect us but sometimes they, they they fall short and they don't do their job and sometimes and and this goes for any company probably any place that you're having problems with we should be able to air them out or to sue them or to take them down or to make them change their ways and there are plenty of ways to do that I'm going to talk about a few because there's no reason that the EPA should have you know reversed a policy that will literally make sure that these companies have technology that is sustaining um, the air pollution controls. You know, after a certain time, you want them, those controls to still be functional. But yet, they made it so that, no, those controls don't have to be, you know, together, and they don't have to, um, you know, follow the stringent and important and set air pollution standards. They can just be lax about them. Well, no. They shouldn't be able to get away with that, and we're going to be able to um, affix uh, whatever we need to do uh, to them to, you know, prove a point. So one of the first things, if you live in the U.S., it's great. We can definitely uh, combat this together. 
Um, if you live abroad and you know, listening from abroad, like in the UK or in South Korea, for example, then uh, you can still um, participate. But um, if you have family or friends that live in the U.S., it's it's probably best to let them know about this information too. Because I sometimes get sick and tired of, of finding all contact information, and and I have bookmarks upon bookmarks upon bookmarks of all types of different things. And sometimes I just want it in one place. Well, this is that one place. So you can contact the EPA for any types of grievances. You can contact them directly. Um, you can go to www.epa.gov forward slash home forward slash forms forward slash contact dash EPA. And the EPA does not have jurisdiction over anything like automobile safety, consumer product safety, foods, medicine, cosmetics, or medical devices. And, and those concerns are um, with, you know, other uh, federal agencies, tribal, state, or local agencies. So you're going to have to direct any questions or comments or anything uh, regarding all those topics I just mentioned to those different agencies. But anything else, you can use that website link I, I just mentioned to contact the EPA directly. You can also mail their headquarters, their regional addresses, their laboratories, or you can comment on their current regulations. You can follow them online, like on social media, like follow and keep tabs on what they're doing. Um, and also you can submit a Freedom of uh, Information Act request, which they make open and available on their site. You could also report an issue uh, via the Enforcement and Compliance History Online site. That's at echo.epa.gov forward slash report uh, dash environmental dash violations. Number two tip is that if you don't like the EPA and how they're handling a specific disaster or it's near your home or they're pulling their, um, pulling, you know, they're not pulling their weight, it's a dire disaster, emergency incident, you have the right to sue. I don't think not enough people know that. I know environmental organizations, they know this completely, but I don't think enough um, private citizens and just residents who, you know, care enough about, or maybe they do care enough, but they don't know that they can sue this agency. You can, you can sue practically anyone in the U.S. for, you know, umpteenth amount of reasons, but the right to sue is a powerful one. Like sometimes the EPA definitely pays in full, um, they'll definitely take the blame, the remedy of the situation, um, provide um, an outline and infrastructure for ways to make sure that this problem, X, X problem, whatever it is, never happens later down the line. So people can definitely sue. Again, there are 390 plus entries of lawsuits currently on the books, some old, some new, but they're, they're growing. And I bet you they were, they increased since, you know, years prior. So you definitely can sue. For any reason, any legit reason, you know, bring evidence, witnesses, testimonials, pictures, photographs, um, scientists, uh, expert witnesses, academics, teachers, etc. Pull all your evidence together, together, um, and you know, build your case. Get a lawyer. Get an environmental lawyer. Um, there are there are some out there, even though it's a pretty niche. Um, a field of law, they are out there and they will do their best bet um, at, you know, helping you get justice um, for your environmental grievances. 
And then lastly, number three is to stop supporting and don't support any companies that um, violate environmental laws or if they put money first. Like there are so many companies I could name, but there's just a few I'll talk about. Like Nestle, for example, how, you know, anyone who's probably listening in parts like, you know, Pennsylvania, for example, or the Midwest or down south, they'll know, you know, even in the East Coast, they'll know that uh, Nestle will pump your aquifers dry, you know, your well water, your spring water, they'll, they'll, they'll take it. And, you know, they'll charge you um, uh, wildly for it. And they're creating um, destroyed communities in their wake. They're wreaking chaos abroad. Other companies like Coca-Cola are doing the same thing to um, people in, in India, for example. And they're taking their water and paying them pennies, um, paying them less than they deserve for working um, in these factories and taking their water. They're taking the water out of anywhere, any country that they can get their hands on. And they're leaving the, the people there to pay for um, whatever they can get. Or if they want a soda, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost them so much more than the water. You know, these, these places have, um, you know, very damaging drought seasons. And it's all because there's no water in the ground. Um, oil corporations, I named a few before, like Shell and BP, Exxon, there's so many. But they do um, their part with oil spills. And then they want, uh, you know, bailouts and, and just to pay a fine to fix the problem. No, you can't fix the problem. You know, Dawn, I mentioned in a podcast a few uh, episodes ago, how they're part of the problem. Dawn is made from petrochemicals, from oil. But yet, when oil spills happen, they want your money to pay for the oil spills, essentially. You're paying um, to dig your own grave. You know, they, they, they get rich and have money um, in, in environmental... Um, this is an environmental term that escapes me right now, but it's a term for, um, it's, it's not placating and it's not, it's an, it's a term where, um, you know, people are making money off of, um, what you think the company is doing, you know, positively in, in a light, like if X amount of dollars, um, go towards uh, benefiting children in the developing world, but on the other flip side of that, those children aren't getting paid well. You know, those there, there's child labor, for example. That's 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 the side of it. You know, a company, a corporation, is saying a portion of their proceeds, their profits, go to you know ending uh, child slavery or trafficking of children. But yet, a part of their um, uh, labor force or a part of their supply system. Uh, encourages children or has children um, somehow working in their factories. That's child labor. They're breaking child labor laws, but yet they want you to give or with every purchase of their products, a portion of their, their monies, the monies uh, that you send to them, um, you know, goes towards ending um, the very thing that they're creating. So it's a vicious cycle. So um, all of these tips I want you to be mindful of. Um, be sure to listen to this episode many times if you need to. Share it if you'd like to um, so that we can, you know, really stick it to these corporations that we don't have to support them. They don't mean that much to us, 
that we can't find another company that does way better for the planet is um, way more conscious and ethical as well. fact of the day is that the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit effectively outlaws the widely used herbicide Decampa, ruling that the EPA substantially understated the risks of its use. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club, Sierra Magazine, in a September-October 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is the segment in which we are right now, and it's great because I, you know, let you know about all types of different environmentally friendly and ethical companies and different brands that are putting the planet first. They love you, the customer, enough to show you their process of how they do things and who they support and how they uh, treat you, the consumer, such that you're willing to pay quality and top dollar for their products and services, whether it's clothing, makeup for my uh, women out there who are listeners, and uh, just so many different things. Food as well. I love snacks. I'm a foodie. And so, you know, I know that there's, uh, most of my audience is um, made up of women. And so I try to have a mix of different brands and stuff because I know that there are men who listen and those who are a little bit uh, non-binary. I don't have too many non-binary listeners and so many others, but there's just a lot of different brands I try to incorporate in the segment all the time. And I've been doing it for so long, since February 2019. And I, I learn so much whenever I'm able to, you know, talk about a company. And I want you to, you know, partake in this company. You know, I try to have so many different ones, you know, low, medium, high ones. Um, one from, you know, different parts of the world, uh, American companies, so many. But they all have one thing in common. That's that they are environmentally focused. They focus on the planet first. That's the number one key thing. So with that, I want to uh, introduce to you a new company, a different one, called uh, Nisolo. So Nisolo means not alone. They take the meaning of their company to heart, making it possible for the producers who make the products to feel as valued and as respected and as important as the customers that buy their beautifully handcrafted footwear and accessories products. With every Nisolo purchase, it provides a living wage to producers in the factory Nisolo owns in Peru, enables Nisolo to pursue living wages within the rest of their supply chain, and combats climate change by protecting trees from deforestation in the Amazon basin. Nisolo works with producers and artisans in Peru, Mexico, and in Kenya. So Nisolo is 
that is committed to sustainability on so many different fronts. First of all, they are a certified B Corp, which if you don't know or aren't familiar with it, it means that they have full transparency, accountability, and environmental principles in their whole supply chain and their company and their mission. And they're certified, so that means they go through a rigorous process to become a benefit corp. And uh, they also provide a fair wage to their producers in their factories. They uh, work out of uh, many different places and they do a lot. They have a shoe uh, reclamation uh, partnership with Souls for Souls, which they, um, they have it so that any, you know, worn or gently uh, worn shoes um, can be diverted from the landfill and reused and recirculated uh, into different products and materials. So any shoes that you can, you have, you can um, send them to them and they will partner um, those shoes sent with Souls for Souls to uh, give those shoes a new purpose. Uh, also, they provide all types of community programs like financial literacy, education, just so many benefits um, that they do to support their artisans, their um, people that work tirelessly in the factories, their producers. Also, they offset their carbon emissions. More than 138,180 trees have been protected from being uprooted. And for every new solo shoe sold, money is then put towards protecting the Amazon basin. So Nisolo has many different um, products. It's not like they have hundreds and hundreds, but they have an amazing selection. So they have their own um, footwear and different accessories like for women. Uh, There are sandals and sneakers and flats and oxfords and loafers, mules, boots, and also accessories like bags and belts and socks and jewelry. And for men, there are loafers and sneakers and oxfords and boots and also accessories like belts, bags, socks, and masks. Uh, They also have sale products and they have other products from other companies that they have in like this ethical marketplace, which you can uh, search for and uh, buy their products there on their site if you're not um, looking for anything that Nisolo has. So um, I have not uh, personally bought Nisolo products as of yet, but doesn't mean I won't. Um, As I've said before um, in the previous podcast episode, if any brand going forward and everything that I haven't been able to review, I'll clearly state that, um, state what products I would buy and the reasons why and some attributes of, you know, why I love Nisolo, why it's a really great company, why I would um, be buying um, products in the future and then a, a green thumbs up or a rating of how it just fares in my eyes. Um, for me, I buy a few of their products, mainly their be- their boots or mules. I love a good mule, but I love a good boot more. And I finally found that in Nisolo because they have Chelsea boots for women. Like, I love a good boot where I can just slip it on and not have to worry because sometimes you don't want to have to deal with laces or cramps or it being too tight around the... Um, the front of your foot, I guess the the top of your foot, I guess. And so, you know, a Chelsea boot is amazing and it has so many versatilities to it and, you know, looks you could, you know, play it up, play it down. But with the Carmen Chelsea boot, there's different colors and I love that in these solo. It's, it's super 
like chic in that way and it's it's beautifully um, done all of their crafting of their shoes also the paloma mules i like that there's a mustard kind and then i think that there's the uh, olive color kind it's so pretty and they they look like a, a little bit of a suede so they have an edge to them and they have that that one the suede kind and then they have the leather based ones so um with that they have um uh, rich and warm tones uh, to their colors of all their different colors they have them in um, browns and yellows and, and and black and tan and olive uh, tones so you get a lot of different colors uh, with their shoes um, firsthand um, I wish that some of their shoes were more rounded that's just me because I you know I don't think hammer toes or bunions are or or corns um, are, you know, things that I want to have on my feet. I don't have those on my feet. I don't want them in the future. So yes, footwear shape matters. And, uh, I do wish that they had more rounded shoes in some of their boots. Um, but I think like they do have that in the Chelsea boot, um, which is great. Um, but with their other products, they're very much minimal. Like there's not a lot of different patterns or uh, gold uh, fixtures or anything like that on their shoes, which is great. You know, sometimes people don't want all that flair and fuss. They just want something simple and we'll get the job done and it's, it's comfy. And I love that they have different price points on all the different products. So for their women's shoes, um, they have them from $79 to about $230. And for the men's, it's about $89 to $230 and these are all US prices US dollar prices USD and for that and because it's an amazing brand I love it and I'll definitely support it is um, the branding the rating I'll give it is a five out of five totally don't see any hang-ups about it it's really a great company overall so Nisolo can be found in store and online uh, on the website mainly nisolo.com that's N-I-S-O-L-O.com. In the main office, um, you can catch them in their um, their office in Tennessee, which they're based out of, or you can find their products on Amazon.com or um, DoneGood.com. And Nisolo definitely can be found on different social media platforms like Facebook at Nisolo. They're on Instagram at Nisolo Shoes. They're on LinkedIn at Nisolo, Pinterest, same thing at uh, Nisolo. They're on Twitter at Nisolo and also on YouTube at Nisolo, of which I recently subscribed to their channel. To contact Nisolo, just go to their website, Nisolo, and then check out the bottom of the webpage to go ahead and look at the contact us section to give them a call, to email them to send them a direct message or to write them at their address. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast episode. I know that I had a lot of gripes about the EPA and still do, and I hope that those were conveyed in a way that was um, transparent, honest, and direct enough. And for all those who maybe have issues with similar agencies or maybe in your home country, you want to uh, call out your leaders of agencies who aren't uh, doing what's right, who are corrupt or are just 
lazily uh, working to the point where you're like, why are they even in office? I suggest that, you know, you make your, your grievances known. Uh, maybe start a group, uh, maybe on Facebook or write letters, have a letter writing campaign or um, go directly to the office or maybe stage and, and make a documentary around whatever issues you have with an agency. For example, there have been other, um, there have been food documentaries, so many that call out um, the FDA, for example, um, for problems in the FDA or for different companies, corporations, somehow having these agencies in their back pocket. Like it's not unknown and uncommon here in the U.S. In fact, it happens a lot. Um, you know, Monsanto, for example, um, you know, they've got so much, they've got so much power in their other industries too. They have so much power that you think that the, the governmental agencies that we have here at the highest levels of government in the country, that they would have more power, but they don't, they don't exercise that enough. You know, they're not, they're, they're not creating direct and powerful enough laws, or they're not putting these corporations out of business to, to prove a point to, exercise the very power that they should have and, and should not cower and be, you know, cowardice of these corporations making millions and billions. So what? You know, if you're the EPA, if you if you have so much power and grandiose, um, you know, thoughts and you have such lengthy history of yourselves, you should be able to wield your power responsibly, but also not cater to, you know, those who have, you know, money just because they have money, just because they have influence. Doesn't matter. They're still human. They still get up every day, go to sleep every night. They eat and breathe and they're just like you. They're humans and they don't deserve extra privileges just because they happen to be billionaires making money off the American people. So uh, I really hope to do another podcast soon again and talk about another fantastic, amazing topic in depth as always. But until then, be sure to please take care of yourselves and also please take care of the planet. See ya.